guys at Matthew 25, verse number 14? Awesome. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. A talent in biblical days essentially would be rough about $30,000. So this guy takes, he gives him 150 grand. The guy goes and invests that 150 grand and he comes back and he makes $300,000. Okay. So also he had the two, uh, excuse me, and he made five talents. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest." So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So last year, right, we preached, I preached for the first week of the year. And I said, this is going to be a year of abundance. And as Kelly and I were sharing, this has been a year of abundance for us. God has blessed us more than I could ever dream, more than I could ever know in one year. It's unbelievable. But the result of being blessed financially is that I have had to come face to face with a lot of just wrong ideas that I have about money. I've had to come face to face with a lot of just just bad thinking in regards to finances and also in regards to the way that God would want me to view finances in light of being a child of God. See, what I have discovered is that, and what I am continuing to learn is that wealth and poverty have very little to do with this. Wealth and poverty have very little to do with, with this right here. And this right here. Wealth and poverty have very little to do with what's in here. And they have everything to do with what's in here. 
Everything to do with the way that I think concerning money. That's why people who win the lottery, we see oftentimes they're in worse financial condition five years after they won than they were before they won the lottery. (laughs) Why? Because they got rich here, but not here. And so they ended up worse than they were before. Have you ever met someone who, who you know is blessed, like financial, like you know they have more than enough, you know that they're doing absolutely awesome, and yet they live their lives like they're in the middle of the Great Depression? Like they're on food rations or something, and you're like, wait a second, this isn't the reality that you're living in. Why is that? Because they might be rich here, but here, not. Over the last year, I've had to wrestle with my own poverty-stricken mentality and my own poverty-stricken theology. See, there is a poverty mentality that exists from a worldly point of view, that exists in the world, regardless of the church, that has nothing to do with the church. But there is also a poverty mentality that is developed into somewhat of a theology that exists inside of the body of Christ. Essentially, if we look at church history over the last 40 years, what happened was this movement that many have dubbed the prosperity gospel, right? Where these preachers were coming and they were saying, you got to give, you got to give all your money away, and then God's going to bless you with a Mercedes Benz, and, and, you know, just name it and claim it, whatever you want. And there resulted in all of these misuses and abuses in regards to finances. One of my favorite preachers says that when we react rather than respond to an incorrect doctrine, we end up in a worse doctrine than the one that we reacted to. So, A lot of people seeing those misuses and abuses reacted rather than responded. And they ended up in a worse doctrine than the one that they reacted to, which essentially is the poverty gospel. Essentially, they did the same thing. If you look at church history, monks, when they saw the abuses of the Catholic church... They said, this isn't right. What we're going to do is take a vow of poverty and we're going to go live in some molehill in Saudi Arabia somewhere for the rest of our lives. (laughs) Okay, that's an extreme example. But many Christians did the same thing as the result of the prosperity gospel in in about 20, 30 years ago. And they took this exact opposite stance and ended up in a worse doctrine than the one that they were responding to. Essentially, They have exalted poverty as some form of closer spirituality. Well, I don't have any money, so that means I must be closer to God because I'm always in need. The problem with this theological stance is that poverty is not a spiritual gift, it's a bondage. And if it's hard for us to grasp because we live in one of the richest areas in the richest nation in the world, 
But if I hopped you on a plane and we went to India, we could go into the slums and watch four- and five-year-old kids that are climbing over piles of trash, picking up recyclables so that they can make 17 cents at the end of the day so that their family can eat. I don't think any of us would consider that a freedom. None of, that, none of us would consider that being spiritual. All of us would look at that and say, no way that kid should have to live that life. There's no way that anybody on this earth should have to live like that. Poverty is not spirituality. It is a bondage. And even worse than that, God's dreams cost money. God's vision costs money. I hate to break it to you guys. Every single thing that was talked about this morning cost thousands and thousands of dollars. If God filled this church right now, like if we got up on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden this place was filled to the rafters, we would have no idea what to do. Like, let's just get real. Statistically speaking, one pastor can look over about 50 people. All right. So if we as a church do not have the infrastructure to hire more than one pastor, God is not going to then bless us with more people. This is kind of a family talk, so I apologize if you're a guest and this is like the first time you're hearing me speak. You're like, oh my gosh, this guy's crazy. So this is kind of a church talk, all right? So this is the reality of the situation, guys. We all have visions, we all have dreams, but God needs to change the way that we think about money. God needs to change the way that we think about prosperity, Because God's dreams cost a lot of money. I have a friend right now who is going and doing crusades. And he's doing 10 crusades next year. And each crusade costs $10,000. But out of those 10 crusades, they're believing for 10,000 souls to come into the kingdom of God. Right? God's dreams cost a lot of money. They do. There's expenses associated with paying people to be pastors in churches, with paying for buildings to run and lights to function. God's dreams cost money. And the visions and all the purposes and dreams that God has placed into our hearts and in our lives, I hate to tell you, they are going to cost you money. Or they're going to cost someone money. (laughs) They might cost you time. Right? But if it costs you time, and then that time is taken away from time that you can't work, how do you pay your bills? Someone has to pay for it. (laughs) Back in the biblical days, we used wheat and corn and grass, and this is how we measured wealth. Today, we use green pieces of paper with dead presidents on them. Whatever it is, it's still a function and form that God uses to bring his kingdom to pass in the earth. And when God's people embrace this poverty theology, what ends up happening is God's church gets strangled 
from accomplishing the purposes that God has desired for it to do. And all it can do is just barely survive enough to be able to pay its bills. I happen to believe that God wants his church to do more than barely survive so that it can pay its bills. That is my theological stance, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) I also happen to believe that God wants you to do way more than just survive so that you can pay your bills. I believe that on one side of the road is the prosperity gospel. On the other side of the road is the poverty gospel. And in the middle of the road, there is a biblical foundation of kingdom economics or kingdom finances. There is a biblical understanding of financial stewardship that is vitally important that we as a church grasp a hold of. You know, there are people that literally think money has no spiritual value. Oh, it's just money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money has no spiritual value at all. This is what Jesus said. Luke 16. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? Think about that. If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, he's talking about just money, just whatever, you know, whatever culture in that day would use as money. If you've not been faithful to steward your money effectively, how is God going to entrust to you spiritual responsibilities? So not only money, does money have a spiritual significance, the way that we steward our finances has direct implications on the responsibilities that God places in our lives on this earth. That's really, really powerful and important for us to get, guys. So my goal in this series is to lay a biblical foundation for kingdom finances so that we can create a culture of abundance and live in the overflow of the blessings of God. That sounds really good to me so far. So that we can, A, be an extremely generous people. And B, accomplish the plans and purposes that God has for our lives. And thinking about this sermon, I have so many thoughts in my mind on this, but I don't know if I've ever preached a more important series to a group of people. I've preached not to a lot of different people, but I've preached enough now. But I was thinking about this, and I do not know if there has ever been a more pivotal series that I've ever preached to a group of people that we as a church need to grasp. Like, I'm not sure if we understand, like, how important it is that we get this for our future when we look at the next one year, three years, five years, ten years. We need to get this. We all have visions, guys. We all have dreams. And I want nothing more than the visions that we're talking about to come to pass. But I honestly believe that this is going to be a foundational teaching for us to grasp if we really want to see those visions to come to pass in the earth both in this church and in our own lives. I really believe that. That's how important it is, uh, what I'm talking about today. And I I literally could go so many directions right now, 
I want one thought. I want us to get one thought today. All right? We have permission to be blessed. That's it. You may be dismissed. Just kidding. You ain't going nowhere. You you have permission to be blessed (laughs) financially. You have permission to be blessed with money. See, for whatever reason, we we feel like we have permission to be blessed in in all, all areas of life except money. Bless my marriage, bless my kids, bless my ministry, bless my job, but keep me poor. Because I don't want people to think that I'm one of those rich Christians that just is going to go out and buy a boat and leave the church and never come back. (laughs) I'm kind of over-exaggerating here, but I'm I'm trying to prove a point here. This is the way we think, right? Bless me in everything except for money. No. No. You have permission to be blessed in all areas of your life. That includes money. This is what uh, John said. He said, Beloved, I pray that in all respects, say all respects, you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. So all respects, John prays, hey, I hope you guys prosper in all respects of your life. So all is, is this crazy Greek word that means all, everything, all parts of your life, Right? And that includes money. That includes the number in your bank account, right? So you have permission to be blessed financially, guys. See, I do this thing. So I'm, I'm talking about, I'm t- it, it, I preach to myself more, more than I preach to you, it, it, more than you'll ever know. But I do this thing. When I go buy something and someone says, oh, that's really nice. I feel the need to go into a long explanation about the deal that I got on it. <laughs> oh, wow, that's really cool. Oh, you'll never believe this. Uh, you know, I bought it for $7.47 on Craigslist. It's supposed to be three grand, huh? Huh? What do you think about that? They didn't ask any of that. They just wanted to say that that's cool. Like, they don't even care. But I feel the need to, like, justify how cheap I bought something. Right? <laughs> Come on, some of you are smiling because you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. $3.47. I, I cut 746 coupons last Sunday. That's the only reason why I have this right here, right? So, so we do this thing. We're like, we feel like we have to justify having nice things. And we have to give an excuse to all the people that may or may not judge us because we have nice things. And I'm realizing that I do this. And I'm like, why am I doing this? This doesn't make any sense. No one cares that I got a good deal on Craigslist. I'll tell you why. Because I don't believe that I should be blessed with stuff financially. I actually don't believe that I have permission to be blessed financially. Because God forbid... Somebody might judge me. Somebody might be mad at me or think, oh, you know, he's supposed to be this Christian, yet here he is buying stuff. <laughs> right? So I feel the need to like justify this. And 
You know, oftentimes, this, 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 this right here, this is the problem, right? It's not this, it's this. Oftentimes, see, this poverty mentality can actually be an outward expression of, of self-loathing, self-deprecation, and that we literally don't believe that God wants to bless our lives. We literally don't believe that God would want to bless our finances. You see this person that's been blessed with abundance. They've got more than enough. You know they're rocking and rolling. And yet they're they're like on food rations or something. Why? 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 Because they don't believe that they should be blessed financially. They haven't given themselves permission to be blessed. And whether you've got more than enough or whether you don't, you need to let the reality of your life line up with the reality of your bank account. If you're living in more than enough, guys, you need to give yourself permission to enjoy the more than enough that you're living in. And if you're living in lack... You need to give yourself permission to be blessed. So, in two weeks, Kelly and I and Caleb and the grandmothers are going to Disney World. You like Disney World? I've never been. Is it? I've never been. So, I'm stoked. My wife is a Disney person. Okay? Every single time she talks about you know, what do you want for your Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Thanksgiving? It's Tuesday. You want to get something to eat? No, I'd like to go to Disney World. It's always Disney World. And for the longest time, I could not bring myself to spend the money to go to Disney World. I could not give myself permission to spend the money to go to Disney World. It's totally frivolous. You're never going to get it back. It's just a waste of, a, of good, solid, hard-earned money. And I am coming out of that mentality. And I didn't get a good deal on it. And I spent a bunch of money on it. And we're going because we're blessed by God. Come on. We've been blessed by God And I'm not going to apologize for enjoying it anymore. Come on. Come on. This is what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about this right here. This right here. Coming into alignment with what God would want you to do with your finances. How about about the person who's always giving... Always giving, always giving, always giving. Every time you see them, they've got a present in their hands, and yet they won't spend $10 on themselves. That's just their good Christian duty, right? To be a giver. The problem is is that the Bible says you have to love your neighbor like you love yourself. So, So make sure that in giving and giving and giving, you can still pay your bills. Right? Right? Make sure that you take time to give yourself permission to also receive. 
To also be the recipient of good blessings that God would have for your lives. Because this is the lie that that person tells himself. I'm just doing it for everybody else. But the problem is, is that it's actually poor financial stewardship. And this is what Jesus said. If you can't steward your own finances, how can I entrust you with the true spiritual riches? Right? So give yourself permission to be blessed. Give yourself permission to enjoy the blessing that God has given you in your life. Amen? In the story we read this morning, the two guys who went out and took the master's money and invested it, right? One guy, he takes the five talents. He takes $150,000. He goes out and invests it, and he makes $150,000 more. Woo! Three hundred grand. Throw that in the bank. See you later. Another guy comes out. He takes two talents. He goes out and invests it. He takes 60 grand. He makes 120, right? Nice job. The other guy, he goes out, takes his talents. He says, you know what? I'm terrified of making a mess mess of this. I'm just going to dig a hole and put it in the ground, (laughs) right? When the master comes back and he looks at the two guys that went out and took the money that they had and made more money, he didn't say, oh my gosh, money is the root of all evil. You better watch out because you're about to backslide, brother. I'm going to preach today. My little preaching song. I preach to myself to get myself excited about preaching. (laughs) You guys like that, right? Thank you. Thank you. They took the money, they went out and they made more money with it. He said, well done. That's what I wanted you to do with it. I wanted you to take what I gave you and go make more. Nice job, that's awesome, fantastic. And these guys understood, like, if they go out and make more money for themselves, it's fantastic because they get to be blessed, right? They get to do awesome things. But also, they get to bless the one who gave them the money in the first place. Right? And in this story, the, the, the parable that we're reading, the master is God, right? God is the one who gave them the money in the first place. So when these guys went out and took what God gave them and made more, not only did they get to bless themselves, but they also got to bless the one who gave them the money in the first place. So this is the amazing thing about the kingdom of God is that when you and I go out and make more money, we get to give more money. Right? Because we're all tithers. Thank God. 100% of the people in here are tithers. Praise Jesus. Right? No. We know that's not true statistically, but I'm not going to go there this morning. Here's the deal. 10% of everything that you make does not belong to you. Right? 10% of everything that you make does not belong to you. It's God's um, tithing as a principle that he orchestrated through Abraham. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek before the law. Therefore, it exists after the law. It's a principle that we practice in the church, whereas we give 10% of our income so that the work of the ministry can go forward, so that uh, the pastor can receive a salary, uh, so that the building and all the lights can get turned on, and all of that awesome, fantastic stuff. So at the end of the year, right, you get your 1099, you get your W-2, whatever it is, 10% of whatever that number is, 
Not, not yours. It's not yours. It's God's. It's God's. And, and where do you sow it? Where do I put my tithe? You put your tithe in whatever church that you attend on a local basis. So if that's here, this is, the, this is where you put 10% of all of your income. Just so you know, I'm not on salary at this church. All right? So I'm not saying this so that I can go and make more money for myself. I make a very small amount for preaching once a month. All right? So I have no motivation other than saying this, other than I have a lot of visions for this house. I have a lot of dreams for this church. So I'm, I'm, I, I try to have as much sympathy as I can. But some of you guys have been saved for longer than I've been alive. Like there's no excuse for not tithing. The Bible goes so far as to say that you're robbing from God. That's a bold statement, God. How are you robbing from him? Because you're taking my tithes and offerings. See, in the, in the Old Testament, the tithe was supposed to pay so that the Levites wouldn't have to have a secular job, but they could devote all of their time and energy to working on the ministry. We do the same exact thing in the church, right? So 10% of everything that you make is God's. It belongs to him. Just so you know, he gave you 100% of it. So it's actually an awesome deal. <laughs> Come on. Let me give you some good news about tithing. God said, test me in this. Like, there's very few things that, Jesus, that God says, test me in. He said, test me in this. Like, go ahead. Give it a shot. Throw 10% of your income in the offering. Not $20 when you got a couple spare changes lying around, okay? That's not tithing. Tithing is 10% of everything that you make. Put it in the offering. Test me in this and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven over your life. Pour out a blessing that you do not have room to contain. All right? So if, if you're not tithing and you go to this church consistently, regularly, on a daily basis, you are unauthorized to want good things and a vision and a dream for this church. Because you are robbing from God, you are robbing from this church. And you're robbing yourself from the blessing that God would have for your life as a result of tithing. That is about as harsh a statement as I'll ever make behind a pulpit. But guys, I'm telling you, man, I have dreams and I've got visions. And I really believe that God wants you to go out and make as much money as humanly possible so that you can enjoy the blessings of God over your life and so that this church can get full. So that this church can be full, so that we can do the work of the ministry that God would want us to do. So that we can see signs, wonders, and miracles. So that we can see souls come in here and not leave the same way. Again, see, the most amazing thing about giving is that you get to take something that's like a plastic card and you get to sew it into something that's spiritual and eternal. Right? So $10,000 to do a crusade in another nation of the world. Yeah, but how worth it is that if 2,500 people get born again? That's nothing. Right? That's a drop in the bucket. And by the way, when you tithe, you get to go into business with the richest being in the universe. It's a great deal. 10%, okay? Like, honestly, what are you going to do with that 10% that's better than partner with the richest being in the universe? 
Huh? Not much. Like, richer than Bill Gates. If Bill, let's just be real, okay? You're at your job one day, Ben, or whoever, and Bill Gates comes knocking on your door. Hey, First Scout Productions, I've got an amazing deal for you. I'm going to acquire 10% of um, your income, but then you get to partner with me. I'm Bill Gates, right? I'm the richest human on the planet. What would you say? Sounds good. Sign me up. Where do I sign? Can I give more than 10%? Do I get, <laughs> right? Like, think about this. Test me in this and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you have room and not enough to contain. That is the promise when we give our finances to God. And I, this is for, for, for the next time I preach, but, but it's okay to like seek after a reward. God wouldn't have set up a reward system if he wanted us to feel bad about seeking it. That doesn't make any sense. Right? So God does promise things when we give to him that are 100% okay to desire. It's 100% okay if you are a, uh, a kingdom-minded person and you understand the responsibility that God has placed on your life as a result of receiving money, it's 100% okay to want more. Orphanages don't get built for free, right? This church definitely doesn't get full for free, right? And so what we need is for God's people to go out and make a ton of money, <laughs> You say, well, you know, Paul said, I know what it's like to be in lack, and I know what it's like to abound. Which one do you think you like more? Right? And by the way, Paul went and traveled around the world preaching the gospel and received funds from other people so that he could provide for his ministry. Is anyone here traveling around the world preaching the gospel, receiving funds from other people, or do we all just live in Maine, have regular steady jobs, and go to a church? Right? So you can't really compare yourself to Paul in that respect, guys. Like God wants you to go out and make as much money as you can so that his kingdom can grow right here. Right here. Right here. Right now. Say, well, it's so much more than money. Yes, you're 100% right. (laughs) It's so much more than money. But guys, I'm telling you, foundational to what God wants to do in this church is a biblical understanding of kingdom finances. Just like these two guys who went out, one of them took 150, made 300. The other one took 60 and made 120. We're able to bless themselves in the master. Guys, when we are blessed financially, not only do we get to enjoy it, but because we are faithful to give, we are also able to give more to the kingdom of God. And that's just fantastic. Like, that's just, that just gets me fired up. Like, if you make $50,000, you get to give five to the kingdom of God. If you make $100,000, you get to give $10,000 a year to the kingdom of God. That's just your tithe. You could do more than that. If you make $250,000, you get to give $25,000 to the kingdom of God for doing nothing more than whatever job or occupation you're doing. And I'm telling you that the results of that $25,000 are incredible what we could do in this earth. Right? It's powerful. It's powerful. So here's the deal. You have permission to be blessed. Say this with me. I have permission to be blessed with money. Some of you started sweating just saying that. 
I have permission to be blessed with money. The biggest caveat to that is if you are a tither. I have to throw that in there. Because just going out and making more money for yourself, that's just selfishness. As a child of God, that's just selfish. The reason that God wants to bless you with more money is so that you can continue to grow His kingdom in the earth. Amen? You have permission to be blessed, guys. You have permission to enjoy the blessings of God. Like you, have, you have permission to enjoy what God has blessed you with. You have permission to love yourself enough to believe that God wants you to prosper. Beloved, I pray that you would prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. You have permission to love yourself enough to believe that God wants you to prosper. Not only do you have permission, but I I actually happen to believe you have an obligation to prosper. Because you have big dreams. You do. I just heard them. You have big dreams, Ben. You have huge dreams, Sammy. You have Matt, Barry, and Diane, your dreams, Judy. You have big, big vision. You have an obligation to prosper financially. This is just where I'm at, guys, in my life. I, I have The dreams that God has put in my heart are way, way too big for me to stay broke. <laughs> right? This is so blunt, but like, I'm just tired of beating around the bush. We over-spiritualize everything. Sometimes let's just talk, family talk. I've got big dreams. I can't stay broke. Like, I want to see orphanages built up in other nations of the world. I want to see sober houses built all around New England where drug addicts can come in and receive not just good counseling, but they can receive spiritual insight from the scriptures so that they leave and be able to change our nation. Come on. I want to see... Young people in our area begin to latch hold of the fire of God. I want to see my own son grow up in an environment where the presence of God is present, where we do see signs and wonders and miracles. And and, and this place is filled every time we get together. I have dreams in my heart. And I can't afford to tell myself that it's God's will for my life to stay broke. I can't. I can't. I can't. Why don't we stand up on our feet today? Ben, can you come up with a guitar? Hallelujah. 2020, guys. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2020, guys. Vision. A year of fulfilled vision. A year where God would begin to actually allow us to see the dreams that he's placed in our hearts. A year where the vision that God has placed on the inside of us would be way more than just a vision. Would be way more than just a pipe dream. Would be way more than just... 
Well, that might happen. 2020, God, Lord, let this be the year where we see your vision come to pass in our lives. Hallelujah.